0: Hello, Jason Schwartz here with another edition of Zion ID. Um, You know, sometimes I refer to it as the school of Zion ID. I think the reason why I do that is because someday I think it really should become a school. You know, in this podcast we spend, we do like little 15-minute snippets of each point of doctrine, but each one of these things could be discussed for days on end. And today's topic is no different. Uh, Today's topic is miracles, uh, specifically the miracles of Jesus. Um, And let's begin with Mark chapter 6, verse 52. In a really uh, pointed criticism of all of the Jews who had just experienced um, the miracle when Jesus fed the 5,000 and the disciples who had just experienced the miracle of when Jesus walked on water to save them. Um, Verse 52 says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Um, They didn't understand it. You know, Jesus, most of the things that he was doing during his time of mortality, uh, nobody understood it. And so here we are, you know, 2,000-plus years later, and we are trying to understand it. Um, There's a lot of wisdom in considering the miracles of Jesus. For centuries, uh, people have dismissed the reality of miracles and ignored the power of spirituality. But as we approach the millennial reign of Jesus, this will change. Uh, Miracles will follow those who emulate Jesus— uh, even on a scale similar to Enoch. You know, we talk all about Zion, so Enoch is a great place to start. In Moses chapter 7, verse 13, it says, And so great was the faith of Enoch, that he led the people of God, and, and their enemies came to battle against them. And he spake the word of the Lord, and the earth trembled, and the mountains fled, even according to his command. That reminds me of our prior podcast where we talked about the word and the power that God endows upon those who are in sync with him. Uh, The scripture continues. Let's see. So he spake the word of the Lord and the earth trembled and the mountains fled even according to his command and the rivers of water were turned out of their course and the roar of lions was heard out of the wilderness and all nations feared greatly. So powerful was the word of Enoch. And so great was the power of the language which God had given him. So we know that focused desire of the mind can exert an influence even on external conditions. Um, If you haven't listened yet uh, to the episode on the Atonement Ecosystem or the Science of Prayer, Um, I would encourage you to do that because we're going to kind of be building on some of those things uh, in today's discussion. You know, the greatest miracle of all is the cleansing of sin. And all other miracles, I think, are performed in order to convince, persuade, remind men and women to come unto Christ. Uh, The invitation is in chapter 733. But if you will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart... And put your trust in Him, and serve Him with all diligence of mind. If ye do this, He will, according to His own will and pleasure, deliver you out of this bondage. So, as we talk about miracles, uh, that's a good thing to keep in the back of your mind. Is the very purpose is to draw us closer to Jesus. C.S. Lewis, um, incredible famous author, uh, he spent a lot of time pondering the reality of miracles. Um, He wrote books about it. He included references um, about miracles in many of of his books on Christianity. So I want to dig into a few um, excerpts that I pulled from his writings, and we'll kind of discuss each one. Here's his first, and I quote, "...it is a matter of daily experience that rational thoughts induce and enable us to alter the course of nature." Every object you see before you at this moment, the walls, the ceiling, the furniture, the book, your own washed hands and cut fingernails, bears witness to the colonization of nature by reason. For none of this matter would have been in these states if nature had had her way. Now it is clear that my reason has grown up gradually since my birth and is interrupted for several hours each night. Human minds, then, are supernatural entities. Reason saves and strengthens my whole system, psychological and physical, whereas the whole system, by rebelling against reason, which is the natural man, destroys reason and itself. Events in the remotest parts of space appear to obey the laws of rational thought. He is the God of nature, her glad creator. It is he, God, who sends rains into the furrows. So to summarize that thought from C.S. Lewis, um, there is plenty of evidence that the natural course of existence can be altered because we do it every day and it starts in our mind and then it leads to action and we are clearly able to create things uh, here on earth. C.S. Lewis's next quote. The rational and moral element in each human mind is a point of force from the supernatural working its way into nature, exploiting at each point these conditions which nature offers. For whenever we think rationally, we are, by direct spiritual power, forcing certain atoms in our brain and certain psychological tendencies of our natural soul to do what they would never have done if left to nature." Indeed, they grow richer and stronger as a beard is strengthened by being shaved or a river is deepened by being banked. The body of the reasonable and virtuous man, other things being equal, is better, is a better body than that of the fool and his sensuous pleasures, uh, better simply as sensuous pleasures. So C.S. Lewis is talking against the natural man. And all of those natural inclinations truly are an enemy to God, as it says in Messiah chapter 3, verse 19. But the more spiritual we can become, the more we can emulate those attributes of Jesus, then our supernatural power, which is our mind and our spirit, can have a huge impact on ourselves, on others, and on the world around us. So I think the, this is a great building block when we are considering the miracle of the loaves. We're realizing that, yes, each of us does have power uh, to influence the world around us. And nature uh, can be, you know, uh, enhanced in many different ways. Next quote. Some say God himself might be a being of such a kind that it was contrary to his character to work miracles. Or again, he might have made nature the sort of thing that cannot be added to, subtracted from, or modified. Those who believe in miracles are not denying that there is such a norm or rule, they are only saying that it can be suspended. A miracle is by definition an exception. By definition, miracles must, of course, interrupt the usual course of nature. But if they are real, they must, in the very act of so doing, assert all the more the unity and self-consistency of total reality at some deeper level. In other words, there are rules behind the rules, and a unity which is deeper than uniformity. Obviously, as the creator of the world, um, God knows the rules behind the rules. And Jesus showed that in spades. Uh, We have eyewitness accounts written of him in the four gospels. Well, we also know that's only one one one-hundredth of the things that Jesus did as he had a perfect command of himself, of the spirit, and of nature. Next quote. If nature brings forth miracles, then doubtless it it is as natural for her to do so When impregnated by the masculine force beyond her, as it is for a woman to bear children to a man. In calling them miracles, we do not mean that they are contradictions or or outrages. We mean that, left to her own resources, she could never produce them. But everything becomes different when we recognize that nature is a creature, a created thing, with its own particular tang or flavor, for she is not the absolute she is one of the creatures, with her good points and her bad points, and her own unmistakable flavor running through. To treat nature as God, or as everything, is to lose the whole pith and pleasure of her. But the theologians tell us that she, like ourselves, is to be redeemed. If that which is outside her wishes to invade her, she has, so far as we can see, no defenses. We know that earth is a living being, earth has a spirit, and we know that earth can be manipulated in many, many ways. We each experience it according to our own knowledge and according to our own skill and ability. Um, again, the ceilings, the walls, the creation of houses, buildings, we manipulate nature on a daily basis. There are, Jesus teaches that there are also deeper ways to manipulate her um here's an interesting one c.s lewis offers up the hypothesis that in order to effect a miracle through faith it's necessary to have accurate visual images accompany one's desire here's what he says what we think or say can be and usually is quite different from what we imagine or picture and what we mean may be true when the mental images that accompany it are entirely false It is indeed doubtful whether anyone, except an extreme visualist who is also a trained artist, ever has mental images which are particularly like the things he is thinking about. Thinking may sound uh, where it is accompanied by true images. When they say that Christ came down from heaven, they do have a vague image of something shooting or floating downwards out of the sky. When they say that Christ is the Son of the Father— They may have a picture of two human forms, the one looking rather older than the other. But we now know that the mere presence of these mental pictures does not of itself tell us anything about the reasonableness or absurdity of the thoughts they accompany. And the sort of atoms we naturally believe in are little hard pellets, just like the hard substances we meet and experience but too small to see, Well, real atoms turn out to be quite alien from our natural mode of thought. They're not even made of hard stuff or matter as our imagination understands matter at all. They're not simple, but they have a structure. They're not all the same, and they are unpicturable. So look, accurate visual images um, as you pray and as you use your uh, spiritual you know, power to influence things for good and for peace and for healing— I think having accurate mental images, uh, again, helps to focus the DNA inside the body. Next one. This is for all you Harry Potter fans out there who love magic. C.S. Lewis rips on magic. He says, "...magic appears to be fun, but the least suspicion that it was true would turn the fun into nightmare. If such things really happened, they would, I suppose, show that nature was being invaded." but they would show that she was being invaded by an alien power. The fitness of the Christian miracles and their difference from these mythological miracles lies in the fact that they show invasion by a power which is not alien. Uh, he goes on to organize, categorize the miracles of Christ into a bunch of different categories. Um, he talks, uh, he, he lumps them mainly into two, miracles of the old creation you know, things that you're used to seeing from nature, and then miracles of the new creation. Um, new is when you can reproduce operations, or excuse me, old is reproducing operations we've already seen on a large scale. Um, and then the miracles of the new, the powers of redeemed man, show that those powers can be unlimited. Um, This is why God the Father is called man of holiness, because man, every new man, will follow after his redemption and his example. Um, Of the old miracles, the first group is miracles of fertility. The earliest of these was when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding feast. The miracle consisted of the shortcut, okay, Other miracles that fall into the class are the two instances of miraculous feeding. Again, consider the loaves. Um, One of them was in the desert where Satan tempted uh, the Son of Man to make bread of stones, but Jesus refused that miracle. Satan was tempting the Lord to do something that he couldn't do. He said, The Son does nothing except what he sees the Father do. Every year, Jesus saw God make a little corn into much corn. The seeds are sown and there is increase. And men say, according to their several fashions, it is the laws of nature. And he who at the beginning commanded all species to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, now um, the miracle was just speeding up those natural processes. The second one, obviously, again, is the feeding of the 5,000. Um, In all of these miracles, we see the divine man focusing for us what the God of nature has already done on a larger scale. In another class of miracles called the miracles of dominion over the inorganic, we find that some are of the old creation or some are of the new. All storms, except those that are still going at this moment, have been stilled by God. But when Christ walks on the water, we have a miracle of the new creation. God has not made the old nature, the world before the incarnation, of such a kind that water would support a human body. So there's a miracle of Jesus. Uh, Then there's miracles of reversal. All of these belong to the new creation. Um, A miracle of reversal is when the dead are raised up. At death, matter which has been organic begins to flow into the inorganic to be finally scattered and used. Uh, "...by other organisms. It is presumably a foolish fancy that each spirit in the resurrection will recover those particular units of matter which he ruled before. For one thing, there would not be enough to go around, because we all live in secondhand suits. And there are doubtless atoms in my chin," again, this is C.S. Lewis, "...which have served many another man, many a dog, many an eel, many a dinosaur." Nor does the unity of our bodies, even in this present life, consist in retaining the same particles. My form remains one, though the matter in it changes continually. He continues, behind every spermatozoon lies the whole history of the universe. Locked within it lies no inconsiderable part of the world's future. The weight or drive behind it is the momentum of the whole interlocked event, which we call nature up to date. And we know now that the laws of nature cannot supply that momentum. If we believe that God created nature, that momentum comes from him. There is a sense in which no doctor ever heals. The doctors themselves would be the first to admit this. The magic is not in the medicine, but in the patient's own body. The recuperative or self-corrective energy coming from nature. That same mysterious force which we call gravitational when it steers the planets and biochemical when it heals a live body is the efficient cause of all recoveries. But also in the sense that their very tissues are repaired by the far descended energy which flowing from God energizes the whole system of nature. Uh, This is where I would insert the word Jesus's atonement ecosystem. He is not only the creator, but God is also the sustainer of life. In contradiction to the second law of thermodynamics that says all things are headed towards decay and decomposition. The light of Christ fills the immensity of space and gives life and light to all things. So, to him who is a spiritual man and has been able to overcome the natural man, uh, C.S. Lewis refers to him as the captain. He says, The captain, or the forerunner, is already in May or June, though his followers on earth are still living in the frosts and east winds of old nature, for spring comes up slowly this way. Nature can be made to do whatever spirit pleases, Apart from that proviso, such obedience by nature, if it were possible, would result in chaos. The evil reality of lawless applied science, which is magic, sun, and air, is actually reducing large tracts of nature to disorder and sterility at this very moment. Magic arises from finite spirits longing to get that power without paying that price. If we are in fact spirits, not nature's offspring, then there must be some point, probably in the brain, at which created spirit, even now, can produce effects on matter, not by manipulation or techniques, but simply by the wish or desire to do so. Who will trust me with a spiritual body if I cannot control even an earthly body? These small and perishable bodies we now have were given to us as ponies are given to schoolboys. So we're here on earth learning how to govern and rule over small things. And if we prove ourselves worthy, the Lord promises to make to expand our dominion over many. Hence, we live in a universe where organisms are always getting more disordered. The laws between them, irreversible death and irreversible entropy, cover almost the whole of what Paul calls the vanity of nature. Her futility, her ruinousness, And the film is never reversed. A clock cannot run down unless it has been wound up. The inorganic universe is going to be reordered. A new nature is being not merely made, but made out of an old one. Closed quote. So that's where we'll finish up with C.S. Lewis. Uh, He gives a lot of food for thought. And I think he, more than anyone else I've ever read... Um, provides a few elements of truth that can help us just begin the process of understanding and comprehending some of the miracles of Jesus. Um, We'll close with the words of another great thinker, uh, a man named Francis Bacon from the 1600s. Francis Bacon was an incredible writer. Um, He wrote a, a book called The New Atlantis, uh, and it actually contains a lot of the same elements that uh, you find when you study the pursuit of Zion. Bacon expressed his aspirations and ideals um, for, in his vision of the future, a future that included human discovery, knowledge. Uh, he envisioned a land there would be, where there would be greater rights for women, the abolition of slavery, Elimination of debtors' prisons, separation of church and state, and freedom of religious and political expression. You know, a lot of Francis Bacon's writings uh, formed a foundation for the U.S. Constitution. So let's close with this quote. Bacon taught of vital spirits. So I think C.S. Lewis referred to them as the supernatural, having control over nature. Well, Bacon called it vital spirits. Um. In man, in beasts, in vegetables, in minerals, and in everything, the spirit is the immediate cause of composition and multiplication. Motion invites an excited body and heats those materials which would otherwise refuse to be heated. So that's our agency, right? Our agency over things that would not move on their own. Um, Let's finish his quote here. Um, let's see. So he says, master spirits in any body can curb, tame, subdue, and regulate other parts. By this appetite for motion, all bodies of considerable density abhor motion. Indeed, the desire of not moving is the only appetite they have, though in countless ways they be enticed and challenged to motion. If compelled to move, they nevertheless seem always intent on recovering their state of rest of the motions i have sent forth some are invincible some are stronger than others fettering curbing arranging them some carry further than others some outstrip others in speed some cherish strengthen enlarge and accelerate others so to close um you know uh, francis bacon talks about all of the uh, creative building blocks that are at our disposal in nature And they are there for the use of man.